Welcome, dumbasses talking politics. Uh, so it's our going to be our second Sunday show, and I'm really kind of excited about this one because I think I've got some good content, and uh, I took my time with it, which is great with Sundays because Sundays are more of a blog thing than anything else. There is just a basically an audible blog. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, and I know I promised you we're going to talk about book one of Plato's Republic, and we're going to next week, but I think because I'm reading so much right now and I'm listening to so much on Audible, I'm going to need to move these around a little bit because there are 10 books in Plato, and I'm already three books behind in uh, real life, so... This is going to be something that we're going to do every weekend, every Sunday. I'm actually recording on this on Saturday. And I want to say something. Uh, President Trump decided to go to the Alabama LSU game. And in, I can't tell if it's in, it's in LSU, I believe. No, it's in Alabama. And he did not get booed. He got cheered. Yes, finally, somebody actually cheered the guy. So today, uh, the book that I actually want to review is called Unfreedom of the Press by Mark Levin. Uh, the book covers the history of the press uh, core and its history in politics and its history with certain politicians. Uh, there is a great article that is, you can find on um, dumbassestalkingpolitics.com that actually discusses the points that we're going to dis discuss today. And I actually used those points from that article. I did write them down, but I decided to actually listen to the book. And Mark Levin is a just a brilliant human being. There's no way of getting around it. Uh, if you listen to his podcast, you probably already know it. I've read, this is the second book I've read. I've read, uh, his other book was... What was it called? The Freedom Amendments or the Liberty Amendments, excuse me. And that was an awesome book. But he's got some, he needs to work on his literary talents because it reads like a college textbook. So some of the stuff can be very difficult to read. Uh, he's one of these guys that I actually listen to Audible. Because there's just, uh, he's, Dinesh D'Souza is the same way. Dinesh D'Souza is a very dry writer. He has a ton of great information. Um, not as good as Levin because he, I think he's got some misleading information also. But his books are very dry and they're very long. So, essentially what this book does is it discusses the press corps in the past. It discusses the challenges of the press corps in the past. It discusses their malthusians. It discusses uh, the good things the press has done. It it uh, discusses the actual oppressions it goes through. The first half of the book was actually very interesting because if we think our press corps is really bad today, um, yeah, they had some problems back, way back. So... Uh, it was a very it was a very good book, uh, but the one reason I, I decided to research this book a little bit more is because there are actually five key uh, takeaways, key ideas that you can take away from this book, and that's why I recommend this article. If a book is really good, I actually read more articles about the book, and this one was really good. 
So key idea one, and not to mention these key ideas, I think are great because it keeps me focused on what we're going to talk about. Key idea one, having a free press is vital for a functioning democracy, but the modern United States press is far from free. Yes. Uh, this was an excellent, this was an excellent point. And when we say modern press, you could be talking the last 70 years. A free press is important because sometimes the press has to find... First off, what is news? News means new. What is happening that I need to know about? There are times that the press, and I think the Jeffrey Epstein case actually shows that. All right? That the press actually is not in control. It's important, for example, when Nixon was doing his bad things, when Nixon was, you know, raiding or uh, breaking into Democratic National Headquarters, recording things, using the FBI, things like that. Nixon, it's important what uh, the Washington Post did back then. Because the people know, oh, wait. There's, there's corruption. Here's the problem. And so it was great. Probably the freest time that the press was at that time, because even the president couldn't control. And the president was, President Nixon was, hey, he wasn't a good guy. He was a good president, but he wasn't a great guy. He was just a bad guy. A lot of people said that about him. That needed to be exposed. But here's the thing, nothing changes. It all, We still need things exposed. Jeffrey Epstein could have been exposed three and a half years ago. Why? It wasn't exposed because the press is not free. There are too many people with political affiliations that actually will stop the press from moving on. One of the things that's always amazed me is that the news sometimes sits back and says, oh, that's, that's, that's nothing. They don't investigate it. They don't, they don't give you the news. And then when you have outlets like Fox News and the Daily Wire who don't go with the mainstream media and they actually report the news, then you're just kind of like oh it's it's amazing it's it's such big news jeffrey epstein the only news media outlets were daily caller daily wire um new york post uh fox news cnn msnbc cnb cnbs uh cbs abc nobody reported it i'm sorry a news source that didn't report a serial pedophile and a human trafficker for three and a half years, that seems like it's kind of news. So very interesting. That is very true. Key idea number two, the American media of the past blatantly was blatantly political, but it was balanced. And only later did it attain the fake aura of objectivity. I don't know if I agree with this one. All right. 
Uh, the news was never really balanced. It wasn't. It was always leaning left. You remember the McCarthy hearings. The McCarthy hearings were bad. They weren't great. They weren't all wrong either. Okay, McCarthy did expose the media to communist and left-wing bias. It, I'm sorry there was. There still is. Um, but there was some balance. Hey, Reagan was called a racist back in the 80s. Bush was called a racist 10 years ago. So I'm not sure I, I, I necessarily believe it was balanced. I think it's actually more balanced now. And that balance is actually causing the disconnect between the left and the right, between conservatives and liberals. Because now you've got right-wing outlets giving information. And right-wingers, conservatives, are listening to those right-wing outlets and they're saying, no, this is not true. We, we are now armed with information. Conservatives are armed with information like it's ne they've never been armed before. But I also think that is creating our, uh, creating our, uh, our breakup between the left and the right. Why we're having such a hard time actually having discussions now. Though we're going to talk about, I think the media, the left-wing media is promoting garbage that they shouldn't be promoting. So that's something to think about. Um, and by the way, here's the whole thing. The media has never been objective. You think Walter Cronkite back in the 60s and 70s was objective? Of course he wasn't. We already are seeing a lot of the reporters that have retired, have committed major malfeasance to the point that they could never get a job today. They were never objective. We just accepted them as objective. Because you know something? What did we have back in the 70s and 80s? We had ABC, CBS, uh, we had ABC, CBS, NBC. We had our local stations had news. And they were all reporting the same thing. There was no cable news when I was a kid. So you just believed it. For example, they were talking about climate change back in the 70s. We just all believed it. Do you know why? They were all saying it. Now you've got outlets that are saying, no, that's not true. Key idea number three. The media has been unprecedentedly hostile towards President Trump, and yet he has not replaced restrictions on the press. This is an interesting key point, it's and it's 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 strange, and this is why I, I just love listening to this. I, I love reading that 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 thing there. Um, absolutely true. Do you know who put restrictions on the press? Woodrow Wilson, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Barack Obama. Barack Obama actually placed people. Uh, press people in jail. Barack Obama refused to in interview with certain press corps. So we're going to sit back. Do you know who has not put anything? No restrictions on the press. President Trump. President Trump didn't. And by the way, it wasn't always uh, Democrats. This is why you need to read this book. 
Uh, Woodrow Wilson, Democrat, Socialist. Uh, FDR, Democrat, Socialist. Obama, Democrat, Socialist. You know who else uh, put the press? Uh, Abraham Lincoln, Republican. Yeah, it, it, it's happened all throughout society. It's always happened. So, that's the whole thing. It, it's President Trump hasn't. These people, the only thing President Trump has done is actually said, you know, we're not going to have the daily press conferences anymore. I, that That's what President Trump has done. He will go handle the press by himself. So he's going to travel like he traveled to Alabama today, like he traveled yesterday. He's just going to talk to the press when they're out there waiting for him to leave, and then he'll leave, and they'll talk nothing but garbage about him because it's just a waste of time. So he doesn't even bother with it anymore. But that's not restricting the press. That's just saying, you know what, I don't want to talk to you. Uh, key idea number four, the Democratic press, party press, no longer reports the news and instead opts to create fake news. Um, I, well... I don't know what to tell you that. I don't know what to tell say on that. That that statement pretty much determines it. The Russian uh, the Russian conspiracy and obstruction of justice by Donald Trump. Okay? Um there was nothing there. Now there's this whole Ukraine thing. There's nothing there. They were dealing with Stormy Daniel. They were dealing with Stormy Daniels. They, they refuse to report that that people have been wanting to freaking uh, impeach him from day one. They don't even report that. News today has become opinion news. It has nothing to do with news. You're not hearing news. You listen to CNN. You listen to MSNBC. At least MSNBC is honest. They are a left-wing media outlet. They, they admit it. CNN is a left-wing media outlet, but they're saying they're completely objective. They're not. Fox News is an opinion news outlet. Everyone knows Fox News is an opinion, uh, left-wing opinion news, a uh, right-wing opinion news outlet. There's no lying there. But these people are sitting back and they're lying. They're saying they're objective. Then they're reporting things that aren't true. And Levin goes over this heavily in his book. And they're saying, well, we're objective, obviously, so that news has got to be true. Finally, key idea number five, instead of being the paper of record, the New York Times has acted more like the enemy of the people for decades. Uh, this, I, I don't know why this is key idea number five, because it really isn't a key idea. It's basically just a history. It talks about the... Um, it talks about the New York Times actually hiding the Holocaust, actually hiding Hitler, saying that there wasn't anything going on, the killing of the Jews, everything was just kind of being, Holocaust was being ignored. Um, yeah, no, I think that's pretty obvious. I, I don't think that's not something that we haven't heard before. I, I The... I think this is just more of the history of the news media. The New York Times wasn't the only one that did this. So, 
I'm going to have a hard time buying that whole thing. Listen, the book, I loved it. It was filled with information. It is, I am not sure it is a book you can read from cover to cover. I actually bought the audio book and listened to the audio book because I, I, I read um, the uh, another book that Levin wrote uh, called The Liberty Amendments. It was a fantastic book, but it was also extremely difficult to read. I would have loved to have just the audible version and listen to it. The problem with Levin, he's extremely dry. His pod, if you listen to his podcast, again, I say this, if you listen to his podcast, you'll realize, oh God, this guy just talks and talks and talks. Yeah, he writes like that. Um, he wouldn't know an adverb or an adjective if it jumped on him. So it's a difficult, I would assume this is probably a very difficult book to read. Uh, so I just listened to it. So let's talk about other things that actually match up here. So the Daily Wire released a meme showing President Trump awarding the Medal of Honor to a dog to the dog that tried to eat the ISIS terrorist and all-around asshole, al-Baghdadi. I won't even, I'm not even going to bother with his full name because I can never pronounce it correctly. It was a cute meme, and it was retreated by President Trump. The media went absolutely insane. Jim Acosta, the, quote, journalist, end quote, Hero from CNN decided that it was time to do some journalizing, journalisming, and he journalismed everywhere. The walls, the mirrors, the bedsheets. It was disgusting. He tweeted, a White House official said, the dog is not at the White House, end quote. <laughs> Okay, it gets better. Awesome journalisming by Jim Acosta. He's probably going to need a cigarette after all that journal journalisming. The uh yes, I know if you've got kids there, you're going to have to explain it to them. The voice of America's the voice of America Steve Herman tweeted I don't know who Steve Herman is either, but it was a big deal. They they listed it. It was retweeted like 12 billion times. So whatever. I just quote, I've requested details from the White House on this photo. There is no such canine event on today's presidential schedule, but there is a Medal of Honor ceremony set here for later today for an active duty Green Beret. End quote. USA Today called it a doctored image. Not to be outshined, the New York Times assigned two reporters. Not one. Two reporters. And they determined that the picture was a faked photo. The Huffington Post. Do you see where I'm going here? The Huffington Post said, quote, fine, just the president of the United States disseminating a doctored image created by a right-wing propaganda site, 
end quote. Finally, the Washington Post, not to be outdone by anybody, including the New York Times, came up with the best line of the, of the day. This was all on the same day. This was a meme. The Daily Wire created a meme. The Daily Wire's insignia was on the bottom of the meme. It was a meme. It was obviously the same picture of the dog that was released by the military, just with a fake background. Okay, but again, I'm going off. Trump tweeted a photo, quote, Trump tweeted a photo of a Medal of Honor Honor recipient who was edited out and replaced by Conan the dog. That's good. But uh, the New York Times, so basically Donald Trump again is calling a Medal of Honor recipient a dog, which he calls everybody. And he wasn't calling a Medal of Honor recipient. And Donald Trump did not do the photo. It was the Daily Wire. It was so funny. Okay. Uh, The Washington Post, probably seeing that, decided, you know, we're going to go a step further in crazy. Let's go a step further in crazy. Do you realize I've been talking for seven minutes about all these people on a meme? A meme. I've got a meme that says, F you, I'm an aardvark with an aardvark with his arms out for my fantasy football league. It's a meme. It's fake. The aardvark did not say, F you, I'm an aardvark. It's funny. This photo was funny. My God, the dog had a... The Medal of Honor was not the upside down star. Did you see with the Medal of Honor? It was a picture of a paw print, for Christ's sake. Okay, sorry. So, I I was saying, Washington Post decided to go all out, right? So, they decided that they were going to have an email correspondence with Jeremy Boring from the Daily Wire. He's the COO from the Daily Wire. He's the co-founder of the Daily Wire with Ben Shapiro, which I subscribe. And now I'm really glad I subscribe. And this is what he sent. His name was Alex Horton. He said, quote, Hello, I'm with the Washington Post and wanted to get confirmation. This photo originated with you. And if it did, that you digitally removed a Medal of Honor recipient, James McLaughlin. That's the name of the Medal of Honor recipient. And replaced him with a dog. And then he has he has the actual he has the actual link to the Twitter response, which by the way go to dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. It's there. Jeremy Boring says, "Okay, pause this right now because I'm not editing this. I'm going to say exactly what Jeremy Boring's response is. And by the way, I listen to Jeremy Boring. He doesn't have a podcast." But he's on with the guys all the time over at the Daily Wire. Alex, quote, Alex, on the record, you've got to be fucking joking. Please quote me on that. Thanks, Jeremy. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) 
Oh. <laughs> um. Bor boring gave a response and he actually told the Washington Post to quote the response. The Washington Post reported that Boring refused to respond. Boring did respond. He said, you people are insane because it was just a joke. Ben Shapiro had a show and his first half of the show was just apps. He could not stop laughing. At the time, he was actually in Israel celebrating some of those, uh, uh, the some Jewish holiday. I don't know what it was, but whatever. He was over in Israel, and he could not stop laughing for the first half of the show. But the second half of the show, he showed why this was dangerous. And Mark Levin book fits right into this narrative. There is something we need to take away from this attack on something as stupid as an internet meme that was posted on Twitter. Okay? And it, believe it or not, the idiocy of the media is not one of those things. The mainstream media is trying to control the narrative. The killing of al-Baghdadi is really helpful to Trump. It really is a huge victory. And they don't know how to twist it. Conservative media has grown. There is as much conservative media out there, Daily Wire, Daily Caller, New York Post, Drudge Report, um, Fox News. Everyone spits on Fox News. They're not the only media report. Um, the Blaze, which I'm about to subscribe to. Breitbart Report. There's a lot of media out there that is actually conservative and they refuse to be silenced. Here's the problem. The fake news thing that Trump used against the liberal left-wing media. Let's 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 be honest with you. It, it, let's let's be honest now. The media is not liberal anymore. The media has always been liberal, but that was okay because they mixed things with conservative thought. Liberalism is not a bad thing. They still believed in the values of the Constitution. They still believed in American values. The media has gone left-wing. We're talking. These people are supporting. Groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matter, they're gone crazy. When Trump calls them the fake news, guess what? They are treated like the fake news by most of the country. People don't listen to him. They, at his rallies, uh, at Trump's rallies, people call him fake news. Jim Acosta is fake news. He's stupid, too. I mean, that's what's the whole thing. The fake news is just stupid. So what is the left the left wing media trying to do is trying to put a moniker on conservative outlets as fake news as propaganda machines. I got news for you that meme was not fake news that meme was not news at all it was a meme. People everyone saw it thought it was hysterical. 
the Medal of Honor wasn't the Medal of Honor. It was the Medal of Honor. It was a paw. It was not the five-pointed star. But here's the bigger thing. They need to go out. Now, is it going to work? Uh, not for conservatives, it's not. Probably not for centrists, independents. Even moderate liberals is probably not going to work. Because they're going to look at this and say, what the frick are you getting upset about? This is just a picture of a dog that President Trump's doing. The, the, President Trump already said the dog's not going to be here for a few weeks. And that was last week. So the dog is definitely not in the White House. Does it make him look stupid? Yes, it makes him look really stupid. But here's where things come danger, become dangerous, is when news is actually filtered out that when we do these fact checks I used to listen to Snow I used to watch uh, go to snopes.com to find out to fact check things okay I did I, I did and I would say okay yeah I didn't think that made sense snopes.com is considered the main fact checking site in the United States and they've gone left wing they don't fact check correctly I have gone to Snopes.com just to, to take a look at what they fact-checked on things that I know are true. And I found they, and, and I know, I know they're true in a conservative slant and they have fact-checked incorrectly. They said, no, that's not true. And I know, yeah, that is. You can't trust fact-checkers anymore. Here's the goal of the media. The media has got a real problem. They are going to need, there are two things they are going to need. Get rid of social media. That's one. 40% of the country gets their, their news from social media. 40%. Now, I got to tell you, if you're getting your news from a tweet or a Facebook post, you probably should check it out first. See where it's coming from. Is it a trusted source? Do I think Fox News is a trusted source? Uh, not really. Do I think Daily Caller is a trusted source? Yes. Do I think Daily Wire is a trusted source? Yes. That's why I subscribe to them. There are trusted sources out there. Fox News... Fox News is about as centrist as it gets, but I don't, uh, you know, like Tucker, Tucker Carlson is a centrist and he is an isolationist and I, I don't like everything he has to say. So I would, when he reports something, I want to check it out. Bill O'Reilly, same way. I want to check it out. This is how a, an adult determines whether a news source is right or not. I don't sit there and see a freaking ad that says that George Clooney is dead and then sit there and say, rip George Clooney. I don't do that. I actually check things out. And that's an exaggeration. I, I never know. Those are just garbage. But we need, this is the problem with the media. So, uh, very interesting stuff, and I think it's getting more interesting because now social media, certain areas of social media are beginning to cave. 
and this is scary. This is give a mouse a cookie time. And we are going to talk about give a mouse a cookie time. Because I think it's going to be very, very important we start beginning to see our culture for what it is. Last week, Jack Dorsey uh, decided that he was going to ban political ads. Thinking that those political ads are actually encouraging foreign government interference in our political system. He stated, quote, We've made the decision to stop all political advertising on Twitter globally. We believe political mess the we believe political message should be earned, not bought. This isn't about free expression. This is about paying for reach. All Democrats got into this. All Democrats, yes, yes. Good for Twitter. Get rid of those political ads because we can't have Trump uh, Trump paying for an ad on Twitter, which I don't think he needs to do. I think he knows how to use Twitter. This is the same thing with Kamala Harris sitting back and saying, well, we need to ban President Trump from Twitter. Of course you want to ban President Trump from Twitter or any conservative message from Twitter because it's reaching people. It's reaching people. As much as I hate the amount of times that President Trump actually tweets, I hate it. I really do. I think there'd be a completely different way I would do this. The reality is he is reaching people. He's reaching his base and he's kind of reaching to the, the independents and the middleland people. So I, I'm not buying all that crap. Now we want to start banning things. So here's the thing. Facebook, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook, has been defending free speech, which is weird because he's also had those algorithms that messed with uh, conservative uh, voices, but apparently those algorithms have been changed to the point they're not really messing with conservative voices. And understand something, Mark Zuckerberg is not a li- is not a conservative. He's a liberal. He is liberal. He stated in a speech, quote, I believe strongly and I believe that history supports that free expression has been important for driving progress and building more inclusive societies around the world. I think we also need to be careful about adopting more and more rules to restrict the way that people can speak and what they can say. In a democracy, I don't think it's right for private companies to censor politicians or the news. And he held that when he was brought in front of Congress. He held that. It was a week and a half ago, he was brought in front of Congress. And he said, I am not censoring tweets for political reasons. I am not banning political ads. And he's right. 100% right. Jack Dorsey is wrong for Twitter. Jack Dorsey has made a huge mistake. And Jack Dorsey, you have to question his allegiance to... um, 
freedom of politics. You have to question whether he gives a damn about free speech. He's beginning to edit free speech. And by the way, these platforms, <coughs> these platforms, they shouldn't be saying anything about our speech. If they start monitoring free speech on these platforms, aren't they a publication and susceptible to the same laws that a news outlet is? If I sat there and said that Johnny was raping somebody on, uh, somebody raped somebody on Twitter and Twitter actually bans fake news, right? Doesn't that make them libel? Whereas if I say I raped someone on Facebook that doesn't ban anything because they allow free, complete free speech. And by the way, I would, it's, that's a crappy thing to say anyway, but still. Free speech is under attack right now. And I think that we're going to need to just grow up. Mark Zuckerberg has grown up. He was anti-free speech at one point. In conclusion, let me let me finish this off. And I know I'm ranting a little bit, so it's probably not making a lot of sense. I think we live in the give a mouse a cookie culture. Somebody who listens to this all the time asked me what I meant by that. He thought it was funny. He thought it was cute. It's not cute. It's actually, it, it's a it's a child's parable showing what adults go through with children. Okay. Let me give you a little bit of give a mouse a cookie. And there's a lot more to it. I, I don't know how it ends. I think it has something to do with him having the mouse having tape or something like that. It goes really out there. So this is give a mouse a this is a, the first six, seven lines of give a mouse a cookie. If you give a mouse a and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, I didn't quote it because I didn't want to quote it. If you give a mouse a cookie, it will ask for a glass of milk. If you give a mouse a glass of milk, it will ask for a straw. If you give a mouse a straw, it will ask for a napkin. If you give a mouse a napkin, it will ask for a mirror so it can see if it has a napkin, if it has a milk mustache. If you give a mouse a mirror, he will see that his fur is too long and will want a haircut. If you give a mouse a haircut, he'll want a broom so he can clean the fur from the floor. And it goes on and on and on and on. It, it is a children's book. It's one of the greatest children's book ever written. Machiavelli's The Prince used to be the greatest children's book ever written. No, it's Give a Mouse a Cookie because that's our culture. We need to stop giving the children, giving in to the children, because they will always want more. Unfortunately, in this world we're living in, the children are 50-year-old newscasters and 25-year-old college graduates that are still living in their parents' basement. Let's look at another example. Let's look at an example that is from the left and see where that whole thing has gone. This is the this is what I mean by give a mouse a cookie syndrome. All right, here it is. Uh, 
Gays ask for equal rights. And they're given equal rights. When we give them equal rights, they ask for gay marriage. We give, when we give them gay marriage, they ask for trans rights. When we give them trans rights, they ask us to ignore biology and call them by their desired sex, he or she. When we start, and by the way, we're kind of close to that. We're not quite there yet. I refuse to call a trans person by he or she. Okay. I will out of respect if I'm having dinner with the person or whatever, but if they're being a jerk off there, there, and trust me, there are YouTube videos about trans people being jerk offs because somebody misgen quote misgendered them end quote, because the guy looks like a man. He, I, I'm sorry. If you're six foot four and you have the muscles of Hercules, you look like a man. Okay. So let's continue. We give him, we give in to him or her. Then they ask us to allow kids to determine whether they are a he or she. In other words, the common mental problem of dis, dis, uh, gender dysphoria, we should just ignore that, which is real common in kids under the age of like 14 or something. And then usually they grow out of that. You allow a kid to, we allow a kid to determine whether he's a he or she. Then they ask to be allowed to have sex with the child because he's mature enough to identify uh, his own sex without the consent of an adult. That's give amount. And by the way, we're not there yet, but if you ever watch Desmond is Amazing, uh, we're getting there. This is the problem with give a mouse a cookie culture. How do we fix give a mouse a cookie culture? There's going to be two things that happen with this. We sit back and just ignore it. You see a guy that walks in and he's wearing a dress. It's a he. You show the person the respect, which is happening today. It's stupid to believe that it's not actually happening today. It is. There's lots of respect. But that doesn't mean we have to change our minds and we have to change language and we have to change attitudes and things like that. We don't have to do any of that. The thing is, it's happening in all aspects of the Constitution, of the Bill of Rights. This is happening with free speech. I can tell you what, in the 70s, we could say pretty much whatever we wanted. And you can see this in climate change, too. 70s, climate change started in the 70s and late 60s. Okay, in the 70s, the question was always, you know, whatever. You could argue, you could debate. In the 80s, things got a little weird. At this point, people began to get offended. For example, I called a guy an Oriental once in the 80s, late 80s. And he said, you know, that offends me. You should call me an Asian. Do you know what I thought? Oh, yeah, okay. 
I'll call you an Asian. I didn't know there was a difference between Oriental and Asian. I didn't. Politically incorrect speech? Yes. Insulting? Racist? No. I was born in the 70s. He was born in the 70s. This was not something that we were... But now we've gotten to the point where I can't sit back and say that a black man in prison should be in prison because that's racist. Uh, we have... The left does not make mass change. They do not make mass change. Everything is in steps. I mean, can you remember the last time that a presidential candidate says, oh yeah, I'm going to raise the hell out of your taxes. And they were a serious contender? This mass, this little change, everything is a little change. That's what the left does. And they're doing it with speech. And the only thing we can do is prevent it. That'll cause one of two things. The left will give up because they're little kids. And they'll realize they can't win. Because reason wins. Science wins. Facts win. Facts don't care about your feelings. Or we're going to be in a civil war where groups like Black Lives Matter and Antifa continue to do their thing. And eventually you're going to have alt-right or right-wing conservative groups that are going to sit back and start attacking them. That's where we're going. I love this podcast. I have no idea if it was any good. I hope to God to hear from you. You can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. Please visit my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com where you will actually find the show notes. I do want to tell you, I actually do a lot of research when I do these podcasts. Even a, a Monday podcast, it doesn't seem like it's much of anything. Today was a heavy podcast. I was telling you about books and I was deep thoughts and all that garbage. But I, it actually is, a, it's a lot of work. Um, you can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and YouTube. Please rate, comment, and subscribe. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Podcast.